It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs, online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river, 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor karting activity. Uh, it, today was a great day to be inside and racing. Windy, cold, a little bit of snow, some flurries here and there, but uh, a great day to be inside at Joe's Karting. Find out more about what Joe's Karting has to offer, prices, hours, requirements, um, do's and don'ts. It's all online. Joe's karting.com karting with a K. Uh, unfortunately we have to start the show off, uh, with some sad news, a uh, good sponsor of ours and a good friend of both of ours. Uh, Rick Havenridge lost his mom. Uh, we believe it was earlier last week about this time last week. Yes. I believe she yeah. passed away on Monday. They had uh, a, a visitation on Sunday and then services, uh, on Monday just yesterday. So, um, it's never easy losing your parent and uh, definitely want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Rick and Patsy and the entire Haven Ridge family. I know uh, I, I sent a message to Rick and said, uh, Sarah and I are sending our best. And uh, he sent a reply back and said a lot more smiles and laughs than tears. She had a great life. And so it's always nice hearing that and hope they're doing okay. Yeah, that was basically the same message. I stopped by for the visitation Sunday and went straight after the auto show. And yeah, basically that same message. Uh, I spoke with him and one of his brothers. So uh, if you are free uh, next Saturday, this may seem like kind of an insider deal, but I think it's something that would be uh, pretty useful for fans to be able to come and see the Four Corners Fire and Safety Team out of Eagle Raceway is offering a free training opportunity for safety crews around the area. I just talked to Ben, actually, before we started recording, and we're going to get Ben on the show next Monday to talk more about this. But Ben Glantz, who kind of heads up the Four Corners Fire and Safety Team, and I know he's going to hate that I say that because he doesn't like to be called the head of anything. Uh, he's just one of the groups that, that they kind of organize these things. And But uh, if you're a part of a safety crew or you're a part of a team uh, that want to come out and watch – they do a free training session and they're going to uh, who was it we were talking to this weekend that's that donated their car. Uh, Corey Beckstrom. That's right. Uh, Corey donated his late model. I'm uh, not really donated it, but Corey's going to take his late model over there and they're going to show proper ways to extract a driver and then um, how to how to kind of work the car to get it back up on its four wheels. If it happens to be on its side or on, on its on its lid. Uh, really cool information. And uh, I know James Roland and I were planning on heading over there. And just kind of watching it, because I think it's be good information for for me up in the booth to be able to say, you know, maybe fill the fans in on what the safety team is doing and why they're doing it this way and what they've found in the past. And uh, I think this is stuff that is desperately needed, something that, Dirk, you've talked about many a times. Uh, was it Speedy Hill that used to have the safety classes? Yeah, he used to have uh, um, basically a clinic. You know, um, I don't know if he had it yearly. And actually, I think he had one in this, uh, this area here. And then I think he also did one on the east side of Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's pretty common, uh, for the guys with the knowledge to go ahead and try and help everybody out like this. And it's not only for the rollovers and stuff, it's even getting the tow truck drivers all on the same page of how they're just hooking the car up, you know, say it's got, uh, 
uh, you know, a broken front end part or broken rear end part, and they got to take it off on the hook. They uh, just they want to do it without damaging the car. You know, and, if it's something simple like that. Yeah, and as quickly as possible. I know that's a very important yeah. thing because fans don't want to sit in the stands for twenty or thirty minutes while these guys kind of scratch their head and figure out, well, what's the best way to hook this thing up? When you go through this training and you you see this stuff happen, it's second nature. I mean, guys like Ben who are on the safety team, and then uh, Kurt who's on the uh, the uh, the auto connection tow crew. Uh, these guys are, I mean, literal experts in their business. They they know exactly, not only on a hobby stock how to hook it up, but like you were just saying, Dirk, when it's damaged in those typical hookup spots, where to go second, third, and fourth. Correct. And I mean, the you know, when you get into the hobby stocks and like the programs, which covers like stock cars, I know uh, when I was doing the tech work 20 years ago with programs and whatnot, they were always required to have a, a chain, you know, a, a chain that hung down from the bumper a few inches so they could get hooked up and they were, uh, they'd have one on the back of the car. So if it was something simple, they could just, you know, they could hook that car in five seconds and be up and out of there. Yeah, and that, that's critical stuff, too. Again, that's going on next Saturday, March 25th at 11 a.m. It's free for anybody that wants to come and watch. And Ben was just telling me they kind of want to have a little bit of a roundtable from 11 to 3. Um, they're going to be doing some extractions and, and talking about, you know, different ways to connect the car and how to extract the driver out and proper ways to take care of the driver. But also they want to have a conversation about some of the things that maybe you guys have learned um, at your t- at your racetrack. If, if you've got any tips or tricks, it's not just a one way conversation about here's what we know. They want information from you guys, too. So that's going to be going on at Eagle Raceway Saturday, March 25th, starting at 11 a.m. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be out there. I got to get my schedule freed up so that I can. But I'm hoping to definitely be out there. Let's see. Great weekend at the O'Reilly Auto Parts World of Wheels Car Show. Big thank you to everybody that uh, first off reached out to us and scheduled an appointment, uh, an interview to sit down and have a conversation with us. And then uh, Sunday, (laughs) thank you for those that I accidentally double booked. (laughs) Saturday went pretty well. Sunday was the complete opposite. I mean, we rolled with the punches pretty well, but I, I double booked a couple of interviews. And, uh, and it's a couple of people had to stand around, but thank you to everybody that came out and, and said hi and had a conversation with us. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, just like when, with our regular weekly interviews, anything that we do, we like, we like to be able to share those people's thoughts. Yeah. You know, we know all the people that listen to the podcast aren't going to be able to talk to each one of those individuals by themselves. Some of you obviously are friends with the drivers and whatnot. And, you know, you've heard the stuff firsthand, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we're trying to get the word out, whether we're promoting the soapbox derby or an auto show or a fundraiser, whatever it happens to be. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite interview from the weekend? Um, I don't know. It was interesting talking to Chris, uh, Chris Brown. Always good. Yes. Always yeah. good talking with, uh, Tom Grasso and Stan Caesar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, mine was we, we originally started com- uh, just talking with uh, Stu Snyder and then Tom Grosso and Stan St- Caesar walked up and it kind of started to turn into a round table. And I think we went for like 45 minutes before I ended up cutting it off. But that's one of them that I probably should have let just keep going. But we had people that were packing up, piling up behind him. We had to get to the next interview, but that would that, that's probably going to be one of my favorite ones. But I think you're right. Chris Brown was a great interview. And then talking to the guys from Ralston High School, too. Yeah. Um, again, another auto show that's 
I wouldn't be surprised if it turns into an annual type deal. Um, but they've got a, uh, a good deal they're working with trying to raise some funds. Um, evidently, Ralston High School has started an automotive tech program. And uh, they've got a lot of things in the works. Um, what did he say this year? He had like a dozen students or something like that. And he's got yeah. 63 signed up for starter next year. Yeah. I, it's Listen, if there's any young kid out there that's trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, <laughs> if there couldn't be any more signs pointing towards don't go to that four-year college for the big degree in that student loan, go into the trades, go into the automotive industry. I realize the automotive industry is always changing and, and evolving and things are getting more and more technical, but that just puts more and more pressure on a, on a smart individual that can diagnose and use the tools available to them. You want a simple out of school, right out of high school, kind of ready to go industry automotive is it. And Ralston high school has got a great program. I know MCC with Joe Baker. I know they've got a great two-year program that um, you could really come out in two years after high school and just dominate the industry if you're good at it. But it, I, I don't see why anybody would go to a four-year college anymore, especially with interest rates and, and student loan corruption and just the, the fact that you you spend the next 15 years paying the dang thing off. Yeah, and don't don't take this wrong, but you still, unless you're working and are paying your way through school, you still might need a student loan for tuition, and you also might, depending on where you're at in acquiring your tools, you might have to borrow some money to buy tools. You yeah. got to have tools to fix cars. They're yeah. not when you go to the school, you know, it's not like a piece of paper and a pencil where they're going to give that to you. You got to have your own tools to work on these things, and the way that, and I, I went to auto tech school, so I'm speaking from experience here. The way that uh, you don't have to go out and buy twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of tools the first day, but as you go through, you're going to have to spend, you know, a couple grand right up front to basically get a a good core set of tools, and then. As you proceed through your classes and get into more technical stuff, there will be specialty tools you have to buy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a, a typical student loan is well into six figures for a four-year school anymore, and that won't happen. Well, that's what, you know, like. I, I, well, my very good friend, and he stopped by yesterday and saw us, uh, his son just graduated from the tech school up in uh, Northwest Ohio, UNO up there, and his student loans that he ended up having to take in because he worked his way through school and he had a pretty good start on a tool set were minimal mm -hmm. you know he's gonna have them paid off in no time and uh you know get on with his life and and he's already making good bank working at an engine shop in oklahoma yeah really cool deal you're gonna hear that ralston uh, uh, high school uh, interview with uh javier and javier and um and josh uh coming well, up in a couple of weeks not javier javon javon Jovan, yes. Uh, I think I've got that scheduled for April 4th. Yeah, that's what that's scheduled for. So, yeah, that sounds, well, no, I thought we did it a little later than that, a little closer to the auto show, which was on the 29th of April. We can move it. I, I think I just planned on putting it on the 4th. Oh, okay. But, I thought you'd moved it back to like the, the 11th or 18th or something, but you were doing a scheduling, so I'm not sure where you yeah. stuck it. But in that schedule is going to get tweaked a little bit. We ended up with interviews all the way through June. So if if we do one show a week, so I think we're going to bump back up to two shows a week and uh, try to get through some of those interviews because 
wouldn't do any good to be running an interview in, in June with Bryce Walker talking about what he's going to be doing racing this year. And it's halfway through the season. So uh, we're going to have to bump that up and hopefully get most of those done by the end of April. But anyways, thanks everybody. If you came out for the uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts World of Wheels car show, I think Sunday was a pretty packed day and uh, it was really kind of cool to look at all the, listen to all the people get so excited over uh, uh, count. Uh, what's his name? Danny Coker. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and he kind of impressed me. He was one of those guys that uh, when it came time for their their uh, signing to be over with, it seemed like they stayed quite a bit later and, and got through the line and then took a bunch of pictures after the fact. Yep. Yeah, he stuck around. I think that's uh, pretty cool when guys do that. I know Joe Martin on Saturday was there for quite a while, went over and uh, since we'd interviewed him a couple weeks ago and got a couple of our front stretch hats autographed. Uh, some stuff for the prize vault coming up and uh, probably give away one this year, maybe one next year, just depending on how, how quick we can get other stuff to fill the vault. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's get to the news and notes. Uh, should we talk about results or news first? Yeah, 50-50. Take your pick. Well, I'm asking you to take your pick. Yeah, it's producer's choice. <laughs> All right, Sarah, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, let's do news first. We'll roll through these. Uh, Phoenix Raceway announced on, uh, let's see, Sunday morning that uh, they were officially sold out for the United Rentals World United 500. That was the fourth consecutive race at Phoenix Raceway that has been sold out. I'm not seeing a number of uh, total seats, but I think we could probably guesstimate somewhere around 30,000. That would be, a, a, I'm thinking, a pretty good guess. I had a friend that was up on the hill down in turns one and two yesterday, lives out there in, in the Phoenix area. Mm -hmm. And he took a picture and I hadn't noticed um, that they took all the uh, grandstands down on what is now the back straightaway that used to be the front straightaway. Mm -hmm. And they took some out of what is now the front straightaway that used to be the back straightaway. They've still got the huge grandstand, uh, which used to be one and two, which is now in three and four. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't realize they'd taken so many stands out. Uh, 42,000 is the official capacity according to Wikipedia. And uh, well, I think it used to be well into the seventies. Yeah. I think that's kind of where we're at with NASCAR now. It seems to be, a, you know, what 30, 35 to 40,000 is kind of where they're at. They, they expanded a little bit too much during the nineties and two thousands. And, and they've kind of shrunk that down. And, and also, you know, we talked to Pat Warren about it. He said some of the big complaints is that, people sitting in the seats didn't have enough room so they obliged and you know kind of worked with their numbers a little bit and where it used to be a seventy-five thousand seat capacity place without taking out a seat they dropped down to you know sixty thousand and gave people more room well they did take out seats if they dropped twelve thousand seats <laughs> well have you seen america <laughs> these days you used to be able no. to fit 15 people in a row now you can get maybe eight well, that's what I'm saying, but they still, well, then they took out seven seats, 15 to eight is seven. So there's still seats missing. Well, but it's a bench. I'm, I'm not saying they actually took the seats out, but six well, a dozen won't happen enough. They did take seats out. If they, if it held 70 and it holds 42, they took 28,000 seats out. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports uh, could face some penalties coming up later this week. When we recorded Monday afternoon, no penalties to be announced. Typically, that's going to be on Tuesday unless things happen to trickle into Wednesday with uh, the conversation with the inner inside NASCAR people have tried to figure out what the penalty is going to be. But 
Talk a little bit from the tech official side of it, Dirk. What are these louvers that they removed from the Hendrick Motorsports teammates? Well, the, the louvers uh, were put in the hoods of the cars last year with a new car. Um, they're designed specifically to remove heat out of the engine bay. They uh, uh, Evidently, the teams were stating, you know, they were having to tape up too much of the allotted area where they could cut in the nose piece to cool the radiator, uh, the brake ducts, all that kind of stuff that they're allowed to cool. Uh, they've always had a rule of X amount of square inches, or if it was a round hole, it was whatever, three inches in diameter, whatever that particular number was. So they went to a uh, these louvers as the wind's flowing over the hood, then it sucks. You know, like a vacuum, it sucks the hot air out from the engine bay. So that was what the original design was for. Um, I'm sure it also has a little bit uh, into the aero department. I've never actually been into a wind tunnel and seen how they work the wind tunnel test and everything. But I'm sure the holes in the hood are going to affect the aero going over the car. And we were talking about this Sunday at the auto show. I was thinking maybe they were closer to the windshield, but these seem to be closer to the front of the car. Yeah, they're basically almost like straight in. If you would go in from the side where the uh, front tires. Yeah, that's I'm seeing a picture on jsky.com of Alex Bowman's car, and that's kind of what I'm seeing, too. So it's like a straight line. If you put a straight line from spindle to spindle, that would be about the middle of the louvers. Mm-hmm. And I think they're four on each side, if I remember right. So these parts were confiscated by NASCAR. Uh, according to Jayski, during initial inspection on Friday, league officials discovered a potential issue that needs further examination. Hendrick cars were permitted to use those louvers during practice, with officials taking them after the opening the opening session on, at the one-mile uh, Phoenix Raceway. No penalty was announced uh, over the weekend, but any potential penalties could be announced later this week. Um, and, and I can't see anywhere that this is like a single source part where NASCAR provides it to the teams for them to assemble. And we have seen NASCAR come down on a couple of teams. I'm thinking of uh, Kisla, uh, uh, Roush Kislowski Racing that uh, they came down on them, what, middle of last year or early last year on early modifying year, some single source parts. Race, something like that. Third or fourth race, it was on yeah. the rear bumper cover. Um, they also took Kevin Harvick's louvers too. So anything that gets handed down, I'm thinking with Hendricks is probably going to come along Harvick. And just having worked with NASCAR in, in that situation, they couldn't make the decision that they were bad. So that's why they let Hendrick go ahead and practice with them. And then probably somewhere during the practice or shortly thereafter, they decided we're just going to go ahead and take them, you know, and then we'll check them out back at the shop. And whatever ones that Hendrick put in the cars, NASCAR obviously deemed legal or they Mm -hmm. wouldn't let him use them. And the Hendrick car still dominated the race. So, you know, they saw something. That's why they took him after practice because, I mean, Kyle Larson went out and put a whooping on him in practice. Byron was fast. They were all fast in practice even. Mm -hmm. So that's why they took the part to to go check it out. But, uh, that's what kind of makes me think there's not going to be too big a deal about this because the Hendrick cars still went out and were fast with the exact same parts that NASCAR said are absolutely legit. So 
Well, and I, I wonder if if NASCAR said that they were legit. Like they just said they were able, they took them after the uh, the practice session uh, for further evaluation back at the R and D center in uh, Concord, North Carolina. Um, or if NASCAR was just like, all right, we're taking these to test them, and you guys can run whatever you've got. But if they're deemed illegal, you're going to get hit with a penalty. Yeah, no, NASCAR wouldn't do that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. NASCAR told them what they raced during the race was legal. And last night after the race, all the inspection was done and everything was legal. If mm-hmm. they were going to do that, that would have been called last night after the race. Speaking of that, post-race inspection, uh, everything turned out fine for Alex Bowman's car. And it looks like Christopher Bell and Ross Chastain were taken back to the NASCAR R&D Center for further teardown. I'm kind of surprised they took Ross Chastain's car because he kind of got walled a little bit there at the end. And That's I wonder what took it to see how much damage was done on that deal. Okay. So they're, they're look, they're taking it more, not for tech inspection to find out if it's legal, but more to see how it held up with that body slam. Yeah. That's, that's what I would think. Um, like I said, he, he finished clear towards the back. He never did anything outstanding during the race. Christopher Bell's car was very fast at times. That's why his car went back. Mm-hmm. Well, Chastain was up there pretty much the whole day, just like Hamlin finished seventh in stage one, ninth in stage two. And he was in the, I think he was running sixth on that last restart. And uh, I'm not very happy with Hamlin right now. (laughs) We'll talk more about that coming up, but uh, actually let's just go ahead and talk about it right now. Did you get a chance to watch the clip? Uh, Yeah. Uh, The clip I saw though, you really couldn't see a whole lot because it was out, out of Ross Chastain's windshield. Yeah, so, did you did you see the clip that I sent you? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I was watching. I'm, I got home. I got my legs kicked up, and I was enjoying a beer. And I turn on the TV, and it's, you know, caution out. Last uh, last couple laps to go, green-white checker finish. And I'm like, all right, Hamlin's in fifth. This is this should be a good day. And then we come out of turn two, and I'm like, where did he go? Where did he go? <laughs> and it turns out he decided to use up Ross Chastain, like Chastain has done to him several times, and it ruined both of their days. Uh, so kind of a dumb move on his part. He was looking at a good top five finish with finishing fourth in stage one, sixth in stage two, ended up finishing 23rd on the day and getting 26 points. Yeah. Kind of a dumb thing, is, but that's easy for me to say because I'm not the guy behind the wheel and, and driving that car. But, you know, he uh, he ended up treating a uh, – Ross Chastain, just like he feels like he's been treated by Chastain several times. Well, and that's just it. Ross might have been using him up a little bit yesterday, too, and Hamlin finally said, enough's enough. I'm not going to win this race, so this is the one we're going to do it. It kind of felt like, to me, like he thought, you know what? I'm going to see if eight wheels are going to be better than four and just see how it turns out. And it just it didn't end up pro- turning out for him. It's that frustrating to me because because he wasn't a lap down or out of it or – even outside the top 10, you're, you got a shot at a top five here. What are you doing using up somebody like that? Well, he didn't and, have a shot at winning the race. I don't think he had a car to win the race at all. That's what I'm saying. He, neither one of them had a car to win the race. Yeah. That's why I'm saying. That's why he probably figured he'd take his mulligan. And you never know when, when actually, when everything happened, he might have cut a tire down or something. You yeah. know, I'm not concerned handling at all. I'm just saying that type of an accident. That could be what happened. I mean, it was the same thing as Almirola hitting the wall yesterday, except there was nobody outside of Almirola to hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. 26 points on the day for me. I'm still sitting in 74th place out of 77. Well, 
The only good part about that is if I do lose, say, 25 points for Larson's hood louvers, I still got more points than you did yet. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> I think I ended with 52, I think. Uh, who'd you end up taking? I took Larson. Uh, 52 points, yeah. So let's talk about those results. I don't think I don't think I have anything else other than NASCAR announced that they're going to be doing the choose rule at all races, including uh, it will be implemented for the March 26th race at Circus of the Americas. Uh, and after that, I don't think I've got anything else. You got anything else for news? No, I mean, I, I wish I would have got to see the last couple laps and seen what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when they had the uh, – they had a restart with four laps to go, was it? Something like that. And Larson yeah. was on the pole. And then the next thing I heard anything about was the uh, the, the results. Yeah. So I know they had the restart. And Almondinger and somebody got together. So they went into overtime. And I have no idea what happened. All I saw is Byron ended up on the front. So Byron just did a fantastic job of wheel in that car larson said in his post-race interview larson restarted on the inside of the row of row one and, and byron to the outside and it seemed like larson should have had the advantage and he said you know i just i ran him up or no yeah yeah larson i think larson started either way larson started inside and byron started outside and larson said i tried to run him up and and get him up into the crumbs and take the advantage and and, and get the win but it, it just didn't work and he was able to wheel that car and get the lead away from me and and he goes to say I'm pissed off is, you know, he was obviously very frustrated, lost two races back to back that he very well should have win had it won, had it not been for untimely uh, cautions for him and very timely cautions for his teammate, William Byron. Well, and then, but two other people got by him at the end too. He didn't finish second. Yeah. So. Uh, Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick were those two drivers that got by him for second and third, respectively. Then it was Larson and then Kevin Harvick in the top five. Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, and Josh Berry, who was filling in for Chase Elliott in the number nine car, ended up with a top 10 finish. Although uh, Berry doesn't seem to have made it inside the top 10 in any one of the stage finishes. Uh, bad day for Eric Amarola. We talked about him. He either blew a tire and smacked the wall and then lost the uh, whole wheel or uh, smacked the wall and lost the whole wheel altogether. But either way, he ends up finishing 33rd. Uh, Ty Dillon, 30th. Ty Gibbs, 28th. Ross Chastain, 24th. Denny Hamlin, 23rd. We talked about those guys. Everybody else kind of, you know, normal. Uh, Brad Keselowski, 9th in stage 1, 4th in stage 2, ended up finishing 18th on the day. He ended up leading a lap, probably under one of those green flag stops. Well, in Almirola's deal, um, he got hit with the new penalty for the wheel coming off on the track. I think it's a two-lap penalty. I think is what he did. He got hit with a penalty for that. Yeah, he hit the wall. The wheel come off. They must have had footage that the wheel was coming off before he hit the wall. Because I remember just seeing the 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 clip of him bouncing off the wall, and then the wheel kind of went straight and he came down no yeah i i don't know i just uh i mean that happened while we were sitting there watching it on your laptop at the auto show yeah so that must have been when you were shoving barbecue popcorn in your face or something 
I finished that bag just before we started too. That popcorn was good. I'll never pay 10 bucks a bag for popcorn again, but that was good. It wasn't. So Sarah kept asking me, she's like, how's your $10 popcorn? I'm like, shut up. As I shove it in my mouth. Yeah. That means you probably paid, uh, Oh, I'll bet you paid about three cents a kernel or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this weekend, Beatrice uh, Speedway is supposed to be racing. We're going to come back on Thursday and get you guys set. We've got another interview we're going to get lined up for you guys. We're going to play one of the interviews. I just got to figure out which one. That'll be coming up on Thursday. Um, and we'll get you set for this weekend's race at Atlanta. And then maybe we'll have information for Beatrice. But they're planning on practicing Thursday, racing Friday and Saturday. Uh, I hate to be a meteorologist when I'm not a professional, but I don't see how they're going to be able to get it in when you're looking at lows on Thursday night down around 17, Friday down around 16, and Saturday down around 10. Uh, to me, that that's not fair weather fan stuff. That's frozen pipes, and they can't get the facility ready if it's going to get below, well below freezing uh, each one of the nights they're they're hoping to have drivers out there. Correct. I mean, they, they won't be able to use the, uh, you know, restroom facilities, the kitchen, mm -hmm. anything like that. So Wednesday is going to be gorgeous. Looks like it's going to be about 65 in Beatrice on Wednesday. So everybody's going to be pining for racing. And then Thursday and Friday happens. And then reality comes crashing back that we live in the Midwest and it changes in a heartbeat. So, yep. all right. You got anything else for us, Dirk? Uh, no, not right off the top of my head. Uh, all right. We're going to do another show Thursday. We can talk about next week's cup race and, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, excuse me, that's going to do it for us in turn number one. We'll be back in turn number two. P.J. Pedersen of Crawford County Speedway is going to talk to us about their 2022 season and their 2023 season. Hang tight, P.J. will be right back on the front stretch. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All You Can Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch, rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Sitting down with us at the World of Wheels Auto Show. Getting started just a little bit late, but that seems to be about on par for us. Didn't have electricity when we showed up. When we got electricity, we thought we had everything ready to go, and then, you know, speakers weren't working, headphones weren't working. We got it now. We're getting it figured out, right? Yep. Push it all back just a few minutes. 
Nice new headsets so we can hear each other effectively. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. <laughs> PJ Pedersen joining us on the show. I, I would just say that you're of Crawford County Speedway, but uh, you, like many other announcers, don't just stay at one track. No, I mean, Crawford County has always been my home track. Uh, you actually got your start there in 2012. Mm -hmm. You're a big part of the reason I got into that booth in 2015, but then it's expanded out. Now I'm also doing uh, Domination Motorsports Demo Derby Series, and... Uh, Last year, I got to do, and I'll do it again this year, the Midwest Madness Tour, the Big Deal Car Care Midwest Madness Tour presented by Western Iowa Racing Results, which is an awesome, awesome series. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, uh, has the booth changed any? Is there still the hole in the, in the booth? Uh, there's a hole, the hole in the roof that's covered. Okay. And I will tell you this, all the writing on the back wall that we used to do for lineups yeah. is still sitting there. Is it really? We <laughs> cannot get rid of it. It will not come off with cleaner nothing. It's still all there. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that that's still there. We the, It was just like a sheet metal behind there, right? Yes, that's, and, and that's all it is. <laughs> and just, just out of simpleness, if there's a hole that's covered, there's no longer a hole. It's, I think that was the, the opening that the, they were planning on putting an air conditioner in there. Yeah, an RV. Uh, can air conditioner have an RV or motorhome or something and they just never did get it done it never never came around to yeah it. well let's talk uh crawford county speedway 2023 uh let's talk, talk 2022 we didn't get a chance to uh interview many of the drivers and uh, i'd like to get the announcer's perspective of it because you, you got to call the races every single night so you know some of the storylines yeah um, myself and uh, my co-announcer kempson cross we got to call some amazing action uh, i will say i was I was bummed about the fact we had lower car counts, especially in the modified class. We were, I mean, a lot of tracks were struggling. Kind of seemed to hit us in Alta a little bit more than, you, than most, but the cars we did have were amazing. We got to actually call not one, but the first two ever career wins for the Coltrane Cole Vanderheiden, which was amazing against the field of race saver sprint cars that comes in. And of course, you know, when old Superman Stu Snyder unloads that five car, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty much, well, who's going to try and beat him and finish second? So we got to call a lot of his stuff, too. But, uh, I mean, even the compact class, the hobby stocks, the sport mods, everybody had a great year. And especially in the sport mods, my God, Jake Sacco. I nicknamed him the juggernaut for a reason. <laughs> I mean, you go through, he almost won Super Nationals. He, I mean, he's won so many big races. He went, oh, he actually had the title wrapped up two weeks early. And I can't remember how many total, I think nine total wins in 12 races at Crawford County. He was just, wow. and the funny thing is, one of those races, he actually got beat by his own car. <laughs> Joe Reitz, for three weeks straight, borrowed his backup car while yeah. he was getting his fixed. So Joe Reitz is one of the few that got to beat him. So Sacco got beat by his own car. Take me back to, uh, I think, Stu Snyder, and talking about the sprint car class just a little bit. I, I think he went down there, uh, was it two years ago, and got like five or six wins? Oh, yeah. The thing is with Stu Snyder, he doesn't run a full season because, obviously, there's 360 stuff and some other stuff he wants to run. But when he shows up, eight times out of ten, he is going to park in a Van Wall Equipment Victory Lane because mm -hmm. that guy... That guy and that car are just absolutely tailor-made for each other. You know, kind of like, you know, tailored computer repair. Right. <laughs> Got to throw that shameless plug in there. But, but I mean, it's, everybody knows when that five car comes off, it's like, well, we got to step our game up or we're running for second. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, talking about uh, the Race Saver class, it has uh, definitely uh, taken hold. I know that when, when I was there, I think the last year I was there, they tried to bring it down and, 
literally one night we had three cars. Yeah. And it was jacked over. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember this. Um, I, his, I can picture his car, but I can't, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Nick Bryant. Um, no, not Nick Bryant. It was uh, Dan Satriano. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then I can't remember, I think the third guy was probably from the Des Moines area who I wasn't familiar with. But, yeah, it was unfortunate that it really didn't take off. And then they, you guys really kind of stuck with it for the last few years, and, and now it's really starting to pay off. This will be the third year we're running them as a full-time class. And they, you know, it's amazing. Going from three cars that first year to they are our highest car count class almost every week. And, I mean, we've got, I mean, granted, not all of them run every week with us. But we have a great core that does, and then you bring in the O'Banions, um, you bring in uh, a bunch from the Sioux Falls area that come down. Uh, the Ballingers come to mind there. Um, oh, Doctor, I can't think of his name right offhand. They call him the Doctor from up in that area. Oh, it's going to bug me until I remember it. But we have a great, great core group there. And then when you add in guys like Snyder, um, both Ledgers coming up there. Mm-hmm. It, we have an absolutely astronomical class. And it, it used to be, everybody's like, oh, sprint cars bog the show down, and they start picking up and leaving. Well, now we're seeing more fans staying for the, the race savers because they know it's going to be a lights-out show. And one of the big changes this year that we'll get into is going to make that even better. Even I was talking with Stu Snyder about it. He is in love with the idea, and it's going to make life a whole lot better for the race savers. You guys run the same uh, the same schedule every week, right? It's like at I-80, we would always kind of shift up who was running first, second, and third heat races and then features. It's mm-hmm. the same schedule every week. Sprint cars are last. Well, they were. Halfway through last year, we, we decided to make a change. We actually moved them to the first set of heat races and first feature of the night. And the reason for that is is because that way, in, in the initial part of the night and then after uh, intermission, we can actually turn around and make them big, make those big tires roll that track in. And then once that track gets rolled in, it makes it a better continuity track for everybody. And it worked. Oh, my, did it work. Mm-hmm. So everybody, now I'm not sure if they're going to do it again this year. I hope they do yeah. because that would be awesome. It, you know, it just it really woke the track up. I heard a rumor that, that you guys were getting new walls in three and four, or right, one and two. No, it was three and four. No, it's three and four, and that, yep, that is one of the uh, things that they are doing. There's a contractor coming down from, I believe, South Dakota, and obviously, you saw it right after we reopened. There is a wall, but it's way out past mm-hmm. the grass there. I, I think it's where the old... The inside of the old three and four, yeah, yeah, is where it used to be. Now they're actually putting one just like a one and two right on the knife edge of the top, and that's mm-hmm. what I was talking about. I was talking to Stu Snyder at... Uh, the Daytona 500 party at Quaker Steak and Lube, another shameless sponsor plug there. <laughs> but uh, he was—he said that it was absolutely a great idea because now they can actually build a cushion up against it, yeah. and they can bang off that cushion all night long, and that's that's going to be even better for the race savers. See, and, and again, you know, we just kind of talked about it. I really wasn't there during the the big sprint car time like it mm-hmm. is right now, where sprint cars are are starting to really uh, take off, and I loved having that. If you went over the edge, you didn't bump your tire on the wall and go like a (laughs) Bobby Pierce. You went over the edge, and you were more than likely going to be in four-foot-tall grass. Yeah, you were mowing the grass (laughs) out there, which, which, I mean, the Fair Association and the Racers Board liked because that was less they had to pay the groundskeepers, but not necessarily good for, uh, you know, people like Jake Sacco has rolled his car off of there. Uh, Years ago when Kara Webb was running compact, she had a scary, scary wreck, rolled it nine times off there. So it's... 
I think it's something that's overdue that should have been. Um, something else that's overdue is we're finally getting into the 21st century with transponders this Ooh, year. Nice. So we're now going to be able to have live timing and scoring on my race pass. And that's also going to help a lot of the, well, who finished first disputes, too. So, uh, Trust me, it doesn't help. <laughs> it does not help. Uh, we had transponders for a year at I-80 Speedway. And one of the years that I, uh, I missed the Cornhusker Classic, I think it was one of the, the three nights that they ran, uh, there was a picture taken from a certain angle inside the infield uh, on those catwalks. And it showed um, three drivers... If I sat here long enough, I could think of the three drivers, but I'm missing it. And they were all, I mean, just neck and no, neck, right there. Tip of the nose to quarter panel, tip yeah. of the nose to quarter panel. And the transponders showed that the middle car won, but the camera showed that the outside car was farther ahead. And just people just went ballistic. And oh, I80's rigging it for their favorite oh, drivers yeah. and yada yada yada. And so the next night, Lisa had me announce about 39 times where the transponder actually was because your assumption is that it's at the flag stand which it's not it's surprisingly. not it's it's a few feet back it, well yeah. it's it's like six to eight feet back yeah and so it's it doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> there's always going to be those fights <laughs> which you know it's it's kind of a funny parallel with i-80 for a long time being a nascar track and that night they had a, a leap heady johnny bochamp moment yeah <laughs> at the first daytona 500 yep Absolutely. No, um, we, we got some other really good stuff going on, too. Rod Olson actually is coming back as race director after taking a few years off of race directing. Um, of course, we got we talked about the transponders in the wall in three and four. I mean, these are some big changes. They don't sound like a lot, but they are. One other change that I'm salivating over. Mm -hmm. and, uh, okay, before I continue, I'm salivating over it, but I hate the circumstances behind it because it took, unfortunately, us losing I-80 for this to happen. But there are, I believe, three nights, Spring Fling, the Fair Race, and our season championship where they'll run together. But otherwise, every other week we're alternating the Friesen Performance IMCA Modifieds and the IMCA, or what was used to be called Bragging Rights Late Models, every week. So mm -hmm. Spring Fling, they'll be running together, Fair Race, they'll be running together, and season championship. But otherwise... Depending on which week, you're either going to get the late models or the modifieds. And the reason I'm salivating over that is, for some reason, that track loves late models. It always comes up with an amazing finish, whether it's the SLMR Tour, the Tri-State Series. Uh, back in the day when it was the big track and we had the old Have a Tampa Series come in. Yeah. It always produces just amazing late model racing. And I'm really hoping that some of the folks around here will come up and give it a shot. Because I think we could, if we can get a good field... That's going to be some of the best racing of the night. It really does. I've, I've always said that I, my, I was spoiled with my first track that I got to work at because the track prep crew and the track, it just it made for the right kind of racing that yeah. nine times out of ten, we were going to come down to the end of the night, and it was going to be a barn burner. Oh, absolutely, and it's still that way. Junior Reitz is still, him and Bonesy Klein are still doing the track prep, and very rarely do you have a track with character up mm -hmm. there. It's usually glass smooth. It might be a little on the dry side some nights, but middle of summer what are you going to do that's hard hard to battle that out but it still provides an amazing surface for the drivers pj Pedersen of crawford county speedway uh and about 19 other announcing duties uh what else you got on the schedule there we need to chat about well uh we're going to have our annual mods for mindy special of course mindy reitz was 
a fan, just everybody's favorite fan. Uh, unfortunately, she uh, passed away due to health concerns a couple years ago. So uh, with the second annual mods for Indy Night, that's going to be on June 9th. Obviously, the 21st and 22nd of April, we're doing our spring fling special. And then our season championship night uh, will end up being um, the last Friday of June. Or, I'm sorry, July. June. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as that goes, I mean, we hope to see everybody up there on Friday night. Um, of course, there is a Friday where my voice won't be that good. That's because I'll be just coming off of doing the Big Deal Car Care Midwest Madness Tour presented by Western Iowa Racing Results. And last year, by the time I hit night five, my voice was already fried. Uh, I've learned at the uh, Race Saver Nationals, um, honey. Yes. And there's also um, the great Sean Neistat also told me about throat coat, which I'm going to get some for that, too. But, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, Tyler Fubelcorn won the Sport Compact Championship. Uh, the famous stock car modified driver from Arizona, Bo Partain, actually drug a guy with him named Zach Tate to run. And lo and behold, Zach Tate wins a championship. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've got Carter Vandenberg and the Sport Mods, Damon Murdy. And the stock cars was the one to watch because it was Damon and Dallin battling each other every night of the tour with the dad finally coming out on it. And then, of course, downtown Kyle Brown, owner of Harris Auto Racing, winning that championship. And uh, really, the schedule for 2023 for that tour looks a lot of the same with just a couple changes. Uh, second year in a row, we are going to start off on Sunday, June 25th at Worthington Speedway in Worthington, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. We had almost 140 cars, and it was an amazing track, amazing night that whole night. Second night, we're going to go to Spencer, Iowa, Clay County Fair Speedway. It's Monday, June 26th. Tuesday, June 27th, we're going to go to the New Look Park Jefferson Speedway in Jefferson, South Dakota. Wayne Becker and his crew have been doing a bunch of changes, and uh, honestly, Siouxland's going to be the next hotbed of racing. Keep an eye on it because you got Chase and Shelby Alves taking over Interstate Speedway. Wayne Becker dropping a lot of money to redo Park Jefferson. It's going to be awesome. Wednesday, the 28th, we're going to go to Buena Vista Raceway in Alta. And then again this year, and this is such a huge honor, we get to go finish off the tour at on Thursday, June 29th, Stewart International Speedway for the Ron Little Memorial, which is their biggest race of their year. And Here's something else. Already, we're, we're sitting here, what, mid-March, right? Yeah. Tour doesn't start till the end of June. We already have drivers pre-registered from Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Michigan, Texas, Arizona, California, and South Dakota already committed to run the tour. By the way, Nebraska drivers, where are you at? We don't have any yet. Come on, we need you. It's way too early for Nebraska drivers to get signed up. <laughs> way too early. But um, obviously, we there's still some sponsorship packages, some heat race sponsorships and whatever. So if anybody wants to jump on there, you know, obviously contact the uh, Midwest Madness Tour Facebook page. And the other cool part is, is that Advantage Racing TV, who you know very well because mm -hmm. obviously they've been covering Eagle. They're going to do it again this year. I'm actually going to help learn some stuff from them. Um, they're also going to have every lap of coverage of the Midwest Madness Tour. So if you can't make it to Worthington, Spencer, Jefferson, South Dakota, Alta, or Stewart, you can still watch it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's just absolutely an honor to be able to do that tour. With, and this is going to be the fifth year of the tour, and it just gets better every year. 
PJ Pedersen, man, great having you back on the show. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. We'll get you back on soon, though. Absolutely, especially Make we get closer to get more into the season because uh, obviously there's going to be stuff to talk about with Eagle. I can't wait mm -hmm. to see what some of that stuff is. High limit. I am salivating at high limit. I cannot. I, I am taking the day of and the day after <laughs> off of work just for that. I'm, I think I just got goosebumps when you mentioned it. Right? It's, that's going to be a great <laughs> night. And I've got, we've got uh, so many Casey Kane things that we have collected over the last five, six years. Oh, wow. Uh, Diecast cars, t-shirts, uh, news articles that I want to, I'm going to take a big old box and take it over to him and have, see if he'll autograph all of it for us. And, uh, and then that'll all be going into the uh, front stretch prize vault. So this was a good year to get involved in the Pickums contest uh, because it's, there's going to be some awesome stuff available at the end of the year. Well, when it comes to Eagle, and I, I know the, the listeners out there can't see, but the hat I'm wearing is my pick for that win at Eagle, yep. Mr. Kyle Larson. <laughs> is, he, uh, is he doing pretty good? Is he a good driver? I haven't heard. Well, I, I've, I've heard the kid is, is pretty good and getting better. That's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, PJ, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's going to do it for us for today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening to the Fred Stretch. We're going to be back next week with a brand new episode. We'll get you set for the next weekend of racing to come. Make sure you head out to Quaker Steak and Lube for all the NASCAR action on uh, Sunday. I hope it's on Sunday. I haven't even checked the forward schedule to see if we got a Saturday night race coming. And all the food. And all the great food. Uh, garlic Parmesan. <laughs> Sarah and I are both in love with that garlic parmesan sauce. It was good. I tried it there at the Daytona party. It yeah. was very good. It's got some. Uh, it's definitely got some legs to it. Got Quaker Steak and Lube, and a big thanks to Taylor Computers and Repair for all the technical support. If you're looking for a hard drive upgrade, it will speed up your computer, and all of your files and settings will be exactly the same place. To reach out to uh, me on Tailored Computers and Repair on Facebook. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. That's going to do for the front stretch today. Have a good week, everybody. Hey, look at that. You're sitting on your couch playing Halo, Madden, or NASCAR while your friends are at Joe's Karting. Each lap is an adrenaline-filled, heart-pumping, white-knuckle experience that you can only get at the Metro's largest indoor karting track. Eco-friendly Honda engines rip you around their professionally designed road course at breakneck speeds. Can you reach the 14-second lap bracket? There's only one way to find out. Put the controller down and get to Joe's Karting, 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs next to Quaker Steak and Lube. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the podcast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. A new hard drive from Tailored Computers and Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're gonna get your same computer back but it's gonna run faster, cooler, and the battery's gonna last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back.